Welcome to Zichur Daf Simanim. I'm Rabbi Ram Goldray, and today we're Zichur Baba Kama Daf Samach, the sixth parak Hakones. The sixth parak has been generously sponsored by the Klein family as a schus for Rafua Shlema for Gitol Zisel Bas Rachel. So the three types we're going to focus on. Number one, it was taught in a brisa. Liba If one fanned the fire and the wind fanned it, if the person's fanning was sufficient to spread the fire, he's chayev. But if not, he's pater. The Gemara said it should be like Zorev, a Ruach Masayito, one who winnows on Shabbos, and the wind assists him by blowing away the chaff, where he's high for being Machal Shabbos. First, three answers are given why he's not responsible for blowing on the fire. Number one, he fanned the fire from the opposite side as the wind, and so did not contribute to the fire at all. Number two, he's blowing together with a normal wind, which would not have spread the fire. Then, an abnormal wind, which he was not required to anticipate, spread it. And number three, he merely breathed on the fire and did not blow on it and didn't contribute to its spreading. Ravashi answers that the liability for winnowing with the assistance of wind is specific to Shabbos. The Malachas Machshemah's Asr Torah, where the Torah prohibited purposeful work, whereas damage inflicted through the wind is considered indirectly caused. The Grama Binizakin Patra, and one is exempt for mere causative damage. Point number two, Rav Yosef taught a brice about a Pasuk regarding Machas Bokoros. And you Jews shall not leave the entrance of the house until morning. It explains, Once permission has been given to the destroying force to destroy, it doesn't distinguish between Siddiquim and Rashaim. Therefore, Jews would be endangered if they would leave their homes. The Brisa adds that the destruction actually begins with the tzaddikim, as the Pasik says, And I have cut off righteous and wicked from among you, first mentioning the righteous in the destruction. Rav Yosef wept, saying, Kuli hai nami domin? So much so that the tzaddikim are like nothingness? Abaye told them, It's a favor for them, as the Pasik says, It's because of the impending evil that the righteous one was gathered in. And point number three, the Gemara analyzes an incident in which David had a craving for water from Beis Lechem, which it interprets to mean that he sought the Sanhedrin's ruling on a halacha question. Three warriors risked their lives breaking through the camp of Plishtim to obtain a resolution, and David objected to their doing so. Amram discussed what his inquiry was. Number one, Rav Nachman says his question was about liability for Tamun Be'esh, hidden items destroyed by fire. Number two, Rav Huna says Plishtim were hiding in piles of barley belonging to Jews, and he asked if he could burn them. May one save himself through destroying someone else's property? The answer that is normally prohibited, but as king, he can be poor, it's lasos loderech, break through fences to make a path for himself. And no one can protest against him. And number three, David wished to feed the Jews barley to his animals with the intent to repay later with lentils owned by Plishtim. He was told based on a Pasuk that even though a person repays his theft, he's still considered a wicked person. However, as king, David could do as he needed. These explanations are analyzed further. So once again, the three points are number one. Abraisa states, If one fanned the fire and the wind fanned it, if the person's fanning was sufficient to spread the fire, he's chai, but if not, he's pater. The Gemara said it should be like Zorev, a Ruach Masayito, one who winnows on Shabbos, and the wind assists him by blowing away the chaff, where he's chai for being Machal Shabbos. First, three answers are given why he's not responsible for blowing on the fire. Number one, he fanned the fire from the opposite side as the wind, and so did not contribute to the fire at all. Number two, he's blowing together with a normal wind, which would not have spread the fire. Then, an abnormal wind, which he was not required to anticipate, spread it. And number three, he merely breathed on the fire and did not blow on it, and didn't contribute to its spreading. Ravashi answers that the liability for winnowing with the assistance of wind is specific to Shabbos. The Malachas Machshemah's Asr Torah, where the Torah prohibited purposeful work, 
whereas damage inflicted through the wind is considered indirectly caused, but Ramabinizakin Patra, and one is exempt for mere causative damage. Point number two, Rav Yosef taught a Bryce about a Pusuk regarding Machas Bokoros. And you Jews shall not leave the entrance of the house until morning. It explains, Once permission has been given to the destroying force to destroy, it doesn't distinguish between Siddiquim and Rashaim. Therefore, Jews would be endangered if they would leave their homes. The Brisa adds that the destruction actually begins with the tzaddikim, as the Pasik says, and I have cut off righteous and wicked from among you, first mentioning the righteous in the destruction. Rav Yosef wept, saying, Kui hai nami ain domin? So much so that the tzaddikim are like nothingness? Abaye told them, Tivusu hu gabayu. It's a favor for them, as the Pasik says, It's because of the impending evil that the righteous one was gathered in. And point number three, the Gemara analyzes an incident in which David had a craving for water from Beis Lechem, which it interprets to mean that he sought the Sanhedrin's ruling on the Halakha question. Three warriors risked their lives breaking through the camp of Plishtim to obtain a resolution, and David objected to their doing so. Amram discussed what his inquiry was. Number one, Rav Nachman says his question was about liability for Tamun Be'esh, hidden items destroyed by fire. Number two, Rav Huna says Plishtim were hiding in piles of barley belonging to Jews, and he asked if he could burn them. May one save himself through destroying someone else's property? The answer that is normally prohibited, but as king, he can be poor, it's lasos loderech, break through fences to make a path for himself. And no one can protest against him. And number three, David wished to feed the Jews barley to his animals with the intent to repay later with the lentils owned by Plishtim. He was told based on a Pasuk that even though a person repays his theft, he's still considered a wicked person. However, as king, David could do as he needed. These explanations are analyzed further. All right, so now we go to Simadav Samach, and this sim was suggested to us by Eli Tabari from Texas and by Joe Mann from New Jersey. They both suggested that Samach is a smiley face, and we use smiley face stickers for the sim. So here goes. The man who fanned a flame with a smiley face sticker from the opposite side of the wind so he wouldn't be chayev got caught in a storm of angry face stickers that poured down from the sky outside a house where Jews made sure not to leave the entrance, while three warriors risked their lives running through them on a mission to find the Psak on three shilas. For their king. Once again, it's emotion. The man who fanned a flame with a smiley face sticker, smiley face sticker, that must have been warned off. Samach. The man who fanned a flame with a smiley face sticker from the opposite side of the wind, so he wouldn't be chayev, which reminds us of Bryce's states that if one fanned the fire and the wind fanned it, if the person's fanning was sufficient to spread the fire, he's chayev, but if not, he's putter. The Gemara said it should be like one who winnows on Shabbos, and the wind assists him by blowing away the chaff, where he's chayev for being machal Shabbos. So first three answers are given as why he's not responsible for blowing on the fire. The first one being, he fanned the fire from the opposite side as the wind, and so he did not contribute to the fire at all. Ravashi answers that the liability for winnowing with the assistance of wind is specific to Shabbos, where the Torah prohibited purposeful work, whereas damage inflicted to the wind is considered indirectly caused, and one is exempt for mere causative damage. So, the man who fanned a flame with a smiley face sticker from the opposite side of the wind, so he wouldn't be chayev, got caught in a storm of angry face stickers that poured down from the sky, outside a house where Jews made sure not to leave the entrance, which reminds us, Rabbi Yosef taught a brisa about a pus regarding Machas Bechoros. And you, referring to the Jews, shall not leave the entrance of the house until morning. It explains, Once permission has been given to the destroying force to destroy, it doesn't distinguish between the righteous and the wicked. 
Therefore, Jews would be endangered if they would leave their homes. So the man who fanned a flame with a smiley face sticker from the opposite side of the wind, so he wouldn't be chayiv, got caught in a storm of angry face stickers that poured down from the sky, outside a house where Jews made sure not to leave the entrance, while three warriors risked their lives running through them on a mission to find the psak on three shilas for their king. Which reminds us, the Gemara analyzes an incident in which David had a craving for water from Beis Lechem, which it interprets to mean that he sought the Sanhedrin's ruling on a halakha question. Three warriors risked their lives breaking into the camp of the police team to obtain a resolution, and David objected to their doing so. Amram discussed what his inquiry was, and three opinions are brought. So once again, the man who fanned a flame with a smiley face sticker from the opposite side of the wind, so he wouldn't be chayev, got caught in a storm of angry face stickers that poured down from the sky outside a house where Jews made sure not to leave the entrance, while three warriors risked their lives running through them on a mission to find the psak on three shilas for their king. All right, so now it's time for Four Blabach Hazara. Dafnun Vav. So the similar Dafnun Vav is a shusher and shul going, nunu. So here goes. The shusher, shusher, that must mean we're in Dafnun Vav. Nunu. The shusha was so busy shushing the man who accidentally broke someone's weak wall leading an animal to escape and bragged that he was Pater Medine Adam, telling him that he was Tochayev Bidine Shamayim, which reminds us, the Gemara brings four cases which are Pater Bidine Adam, the Chai Bidine Shamayim, where their liability Bidine Shamayim is a Chiddush. The first case is where one breaks someone's wall allowing his animal to escape. One can think he's not even Chayev Bidine Shamayim for the lost animal since the weak wall was meant. To be dismantled. So the shusha was so busy shushing the man who accidentally broke someone's weak wall, leading an animal to escape, and bragged that he was Pater Medine Adam, telling him that he was Holchayev Medine Shamayim, that he didn't notice robbers striking an animal to get it to leave its enclosure, which qualifies as Meshicha, which reminds us the Mishnah Daf Nun Hayam Base taught, Hotzi Uha Listim Listim Chayovim. If robbers took the animal out of its enclosure, the robbers had Chayev any damage it inflicts. The one asked that this is obvious because by pulling an animal, they acquired it in theft and are responsible for its damages. One explanation that it's a case of a kisha, where the robber struck the animal causing it to move. This qualifies as mashicha and makes him liable for the animal's damages. So the shusha was so busy shushing the man who accidentally broke someone's weak wall leading an animal to escape and bragged that he was pater bedine adam, that he was still chayev. That he didn't know his robber striking an animal to get it to leave its enclosure, which qualifies as Meshicha. Nor the man who found a lost watch and became a Shomer Aveda, which some say is like a Shomer Sacher, which reminds us, Amarim dispute the status of a Shomer Aveda, one who watches a lost object, which he found. Rabbi says, Kishomer Chinamdam, he's considered like an unpaid custodian, and explains what Hanna comes to him from watching it. Rav Yosef says, he's considered like a paid custodian, and explains because of the hanah he derives that he doesn't need to give bread to a poor person while he's involved in caring for the lost object because of the rule of Ausik Mitzvah, Patamina Mitzvah, and therefore he's considered a Shomer Sacher. Another explanation is given. Dafnun Zayn. So the Zimmer Dafnun Zayn is a nose, and we use a puppet with a very long nose. So here goes. The Shomer Aved who returned a lost puppet with a long nose, lost puppet with a long nose, that must be more Dafnun Zayn. The Shomer Aveda who returned a lost puppet with a long nose to the owner's secure garden without the owner's knowledge, which reminds us where Lazar rules, a called Srikhan Das Balim, every item being returned, such as a stolen item or a picadon, requires the owner's awareness that it was returned. Otherwise, he's still responsible for it. Chutz, Mahashavas Aveda, except for returning a lost item, which may be returned without the owner's knowledge. Shari Reb Sabotorah Hashavas Harbe, because the Torah included many types 
of returning. So the Shomer Avedu who returned the lost pup with a long nose to the owner's secure garden without the owner's knowledge, recalling that the last time he was a Shomer Aveda and swore that the lost item was stolen by an armed robber, ended up making Mechaev to pay Kefa. Which reminds us, Rabbi Yosef said, where one makes a claim that a lost item that he found was stolen by an armed robber, which is an onus, for which even a Shomer Sacher is pater, he pays double for falsely claiming so. Although one only pays Kefa for a claim of theft by a gun of one who steals secretly, and not a Gazlan, one who robs openly through force, Rav Yosef holds an armed robber since he hides from people, he's classified as a Ganov. So the Shomer Aveda who returned a lost pup with a long nose to the owner's secure garden without the owner's knowledge, recalling that the last time he was a Shomer Aveda and swore that the lost item was stolen by an armed robber, ended up making him chayev to pay kefal. Over at someone who rented a cow say he would pay for the stolen cow and not swear, knowing if the thief gets caught. He'll receive kefal, which reminds us, if someone rented a cow and it was stolen, and instead of swearing to exempt himself, he said, Arani Mishalom ve'eni nishba, I shall pay, and not swear. And the thief was later found, Mishalom tashumi kefal esocher. He pays kefal to the renter because by paying for it voluntarily, he acquires the stolen cow. Dafnun Ches. So the similar Dafnun Ches is Noach Goldberg, the zookeeper. So here goes. When Noach Goldberg, the zookeeper, Noah Goldberg, the zookeeper, that must have been more on Dafnun Ches. When Noah Goldberg, the zookeeper, was chasing a lion away from someone's property, he noticed someone's sheep had fallen into the garden, damaging some produce, which reminds us two reasons are given as to why the concept of Mavriach Ari Chabero, chasing a lion away from someone's property, where one does not collect benefits from the property's owner because he was performing a mitzvah in protecting the property, does not apply where a sheep fell into someone's garden and the produce cushioned the fall. Number one, Mavriach Ari is done medaito knowingly, whereas the owner of the garden saved the animal from injury unknowingly. And secondly, Mavriach Ari does not suffer a loss by chasing away the lion, whereas this one suffers a loss of his produce's damage, and therefore he may collect the animal's benefit. So when Noah Goldberg the zookeeper was chasing a lion away from someone's property, he knows someone's sheep had fallen into the garden, damaging some produce, and was now eating more produce going from one row to the next, which reminds it was taught that if someone's animal fell into a garden and ate produce, he pays for its benefit but not the full damages. Rakana says this is only true for that bed onto which it fell. Rashi explains the animal could not restrain itself from consuming that bed. But if it went from one row to another row and ate there, it pays for what it damaged because the owner is negligent for not removing it. Rabbi Yochanan says that even if the animal went from one row to another all day, the owner would still only pay its benefit until it leaves the garden and returns with the owner's knowledge. So when Noah Goldberg the zookeeper was chasing a lion away from someone's property, he knows someone's sheep had fallen into the garden, damaging some produce, and was now eating more produce going from one row to the next, while the homeowner was busy assessing the damage as part of a larger area. Of a saw, which reminds us, the Mishnah Duff Nun base taught that where an animal damaged produce in a field, the damage is not assessed according to the value of the produce, but according to the field's loss in value. Furthermore, the assessment is not made for the specific area of damage, but is part of a greater area of a base saw of land. Or Masim provides the source, Ubir Besteacher, and it consumes in the field of another. This teaches that they assess the damage based on another larger field. The more brings different opinions as to how the price of a base saw is evaluated. Dafnun test. So the similar Dafnun test is a knight. So here goes. The knight in shining armor. Knight? That must be more on Dafnun test. The knight in shining armor who was getting an assessment for the damage done when his horse ate the farmer's newly spread a grain, which reminds us of Raisa Nun Chesam based discussed assessing chazis, newly spread a grain which was eaten by one's animal. 
Rabbi Yosef Galili said, Nidom it's judged based on what remains in the field, meaning the remaining grain is evaluated at harvest time to determine the damage of the undeveloped grain. The Chami said we assess the value of the land with its stocks before it was damaged and its value after its stocks were damaged. Thus, they fall the grain's current value. So the knight in shining armor was getting an assessment for the damage done when his horse ate the farmer's newly sprouted grain didn't realize his horse was busy eating budding grapes, which would cost him more, minus the weakening of the vine, which reminds us of the Bryce had taught that if an animal ate smadar budding grapes, Rabbi Yeshua says he pays what their value would be at harvest. After the more establishes that Rabbi Shimon Yehuda is saying the same thing, it explains that they argue about kachash gufna, deducting the weakening of the vine, which would have occurred if the grapes had remained on the vine until harvesting, drawing nourishment from the vine. So, the knight in shining armor who was getting an assessment for the damage done when his horse ate the farmer's newly sprouted grain didn't realize his horse was busy eating budding grapes, which would cost him more minus the weakening of the vine. Because he was nervous looking at three people coming, one carrying a fire, one carrying some wood, and one carrying a bellows to fan the flame, which reminds us, if one brought wood and then another brought fire, the one who brought the fire is chayev. If another person came and fanned the fire, without which it would not have grown to a fire capable of damage, he alone is liable. If it was fanned by a wind, all of them are exempt. All right, so now it's time to conclude the pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one, which stuff do we discuss the exemption of versus an animal falling into someone's garden? That's on Dav. Good. Number two, which stuff do we discuss three warriors of David who risked their lives and ran through a camp of the Plishtim to bring a Shila to the Sanhedrin? That's on Dav. Sama. Good. Number three, which stuff do you discuss a fire to which multiple people contributed, where one brings the fire, one brings the wood, and one fans the flame? That's on Dav. task. Good. Number four, which stuff do you learn one is not high if he fans a flame in the opposite direction of the wind? That's on Dav. Samach. Good. Number five. Which daf do we have is whether a Shomer Aveda is like a Shomer Sachar or a Shomer Chinam. That's on Dav. Nunvav. Good. Number six. Which daf do we discuss? Kashas Kufna. Deducting the weakening of the vine. That's on Dav. Nuntas. Good. Number seven. Which daf do we have is about killing damages in a boar. That's on Dav. Nundalad. Good. Number eight. Which of the one B'nai Yisrael were told not to leave their homes during Machas Bechoros because the Mashchis does not distinguish between Sadiqim and Rashaim? That's on Dav. Samach. Good number nine. Which stuff do you learn why Tob only appears in the second version of the Aserah Sedibros and the meaning of one who sees a test in his dream? That's on Dav. Nunheg. Good number ten. Which stuff do you learn that a Tov and Tainus Elisim one who claims a lost object was stolen by armed robbers, pays Kefal? That's on Dav. None Zion. Excellent. That concludes today's share. This is Rabbi Ram Goldhar from Zichru wishing you a great day and great learning.